Section 40 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 67. London, April 12th, Old Style, 1749. Dear Boy, I received by the last mail a letter from Mr. Hart, dated Prague, April the 1st, New Style, for which I desire you will return him my thanks, and assure him that I extremely approve of what he has done, and proposes eventually to do, in your way to Turin. Who would have thought you were old enough to have been so well acquainted with the heroes of the Bellum Tresignal, as to be looking out for their great-grandsons in Bohemia, with that affection which, I am informed, you seek for the Wallsteins, the Kinskys, etc. As I cannot ascribe it to your age, I must to your consummate knowledge of history. That makes every country, and every century, as it were, your own. Seriously, I am told, that you are both very strong and very correct in history, of which I am extremely glad. This is useful knowledge. Comte du Perron and Comte Lascaris are arrived here. The former gave me a letter from Sir Charles Williams. The latter brought me your orders. They are very pretty men, and have both knowledge and manners, which, though they always ought, seldom go together. I examined them, particularly Comte Lascaris, concerning you. Their report is a very favorable one, especially on the side of knowledge. The quickness of conception which they allow you I can easily credit, but the attention which they add to it pleases me the more, as I own I expected it less. Go on in the pursuit and the increase of knowledge. Nay, I am sure you will, for you now know too much to stop. And if Mr. Hart would let you be idle, I am convinced you would not. But now that you have left Leipzig, and are entered into the great world, Remember there is another object that must keep pace with and accompany knowledge, I mean manners, politeness, and the graces, in which Sir Charles Williams, though very much your friend, owns that you are very deficient. The manners of Leipzig must be shook off, and in that respect you must put on the new man. No scrambling at your meals, as at a German ordinary, no awkward overturns of glasses, plates, and salt-cellars, no horse-play. On the contrary, a gentleness of manners, a graceful carriage, and an insinuating address must take their place. I repeat, and shall never cease repeating to you, the graces, the graces. I desire that as soon as you ever get to Turin you will apply yourself diligently to the Italian language, that before you leave that place you may know it well enough to be able to speak tolerably when you get to Rome, where you will soon make yourself perfect master of Italian, from the daily necessity you will be under of speaking it. In the meantime, I insist upon your not neglecting, much less forgetting, the German you already know, which you may not only continue but improve, by speaking it constantly to your Saxon boy, and as often as you can to the several Germans you will meet in your travels. You remember, no doubt, that you must never write to me from Turin, but in the German language and character. I send you the enclosed letter of recommendation to Mr. Smith, the King's Consul at Venice, who can, and I dare say will, be more useful to you there than anybody. Pray make your court, and behave your best to Monsieur and Madame Capello, who will be of great use to you at Rome. Adieu. Yours tenderly. Letter 68. London, April 19th, Old Style, 1749. Dear boy, this letter will, I believe, still find you at Venice in all the dissipation of masquerades, ridottos, operas, etc. With all my heart, they are decent evenings' amusements, and very properly succeed that serious application to which I am sure you devote your mornings. There are liberal and illiberal pleasures as well as liberal and illiberal arts. There are some pleasures that degrade as much as some trades could do, 
sottish drinking, indiscriminate gluttony, driving coaches, rustic sports such as fox chases, horse races, etc., are in my opinion infinitely below the honest and industrious profession of a tailor and a shoemaker, which are said to deroguer. As you are now in a musical country, where singing, fiddling, and piping are not only the common topics of conversation, but almost the principal objects of attention, I cannot help cautioning you against giving in to those, I will call them illiberal pleasures, though music is commonly reckoned one of the liberal arts, to the degree that most of your countrymen do, when they travel in Italy. If you love music, hear it, go to operas, concerts, and pay fiddlers to play to you, but I insist upon your neither piping nor fiddling yourself. It puts a gentleman in a very frivolous, contemptible light, brings him into a great deal of bad company, and takes up a great deal of time, which might be better employed. Few things would mortify me more than to see you bearing a part in a concert, with a fiddle under your chin, or a pipe in your mouth. I have had a great deal of conversation with Comte de Perron and Comte Lascaris upon your subject, and I will tell you very truly what Comte de Perron, who is in my opinion a very pretty man, said of you. Il a de l'esprit, un savoir plus commun à sa neige, une grande vivacité, et quand il a appris des manières, il sera parfait, car il faut avouer qu'il sent encore le collège, mais cela viendra. I was very glad to hear, from one whom I think so good a judge, that you wanted nothing but des manières, which I am convinced you will now soon acquire, in the company which henceforward you are likely to keep. But I must add, too, that if you should not acquire them, all the rest will be of little use to you. By manier I do not mean bare civility. Everybody must have that who would not be kicked out of company. But I mean engaging, insinuating, shining manners, distinguished politeness, an almost irresistible address, a superior gracefulness in all you say and do. It is this alone that can give all your other talents their full luster and value, and consequently, it is this which should now be thy principal object of your attention. Observe minutely, wherever you go, the allowed and established models of good breeding, and form yourself upon them. Whatever pleases you most in others will infallibly please others in you. I have often repeated this to you. Now is your time of putting it in practice. Pray make my compliments to Mr. Hart, and tell him I have received his letter from Vienna of the 16th New Style, but that I shall not trouble him with an answer to it till I have received the other letter which he promises me, upon the subject of one of my last. I long to hear from him after your settlement at Turin. The months that you are to pass there will be very decisive ones for you. The exercises of the academy, and the manners of courts, must be attended to and acquired, and at the same time your other studies continued. I am sure you will not pass, nor desire, one single idle hour there, for I do not foresee that you can, in any part of your life, put out six months to greater interest than those next six at Turin. We will talk hereafter about your stay at Rome and in other parts of Italy. This only I will now recommend to you, which is to extract the spirit of every place you go to. In those places which are only distinguished by classical fame and valuable remains of antiquity, have your classics in your hand and in your head, compare the ancient geography and descriptions with the modern, and never fail to take notes. Rome will furnish you with business enough of that sort, but then it furnishes you with many other objects as well deserving your attention, such as deep ecclesiastical craft and policy. Adieu. 
End of section 40. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.